Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hallway Chat. I am Nabil. Hey, it's Bijan. And uh, we'll be talking, I think a lot of today is going to be Google I.O., given that that's today. I think we're also going to cover a few other things. Actually, let's start. Let's get to Google I.O. in a second, Bijan. But um, I'd love to start with Reed Hoffman's recent podcast on blitz scaling, which if you're not listening to, you should. It's good, good content. And, and But more importantly, Tim O'Reilly's response. But, but what, maybe maybe you can summarize what they're trying to get to for a second here. Right, right. Well, look, I mean, um, Reed Hoffman um, has a podcast, a new podcast. Uh, it's off to a great start called Masters of Scale. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. And, um, and, you know, he has this one episode called The Money Episode where he was really talking about the uh, – the strategy and the importance of what he what he's calling blitz capital and like why you have to do you know extraordinary financing to win and and you know there are several examples that he goes through a lot of it's about Airbnb's financing history and just the, the need that companies raise you know massive rounds of financing uh, to to dominate a, a market or or whatnot and and Tim basically kind of responds back like, eh, not always, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what I love about these two, I mean, clearly they have massive respect for each other. So this is like the opposite of other people we know that get all pissy on Twitter or something else. This is yeah. like two people, tons of respect. They look at the world very differently. And this, this, is not Mark, this is not Mark Cuban and Donald Trump no. uh, riffing on Twitter. This is right, two right. people. It's not, it's not John yeah. Lilly and Keith Raboy uh, talking politics. Oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Tim O'Reilly's uh, article, you know, response, if you want to read it, is some businesses bleed black. And, and I think it's making a, a, a point that has become, I think, more common to be made generally, which is just the kind of like ring the bell reminder startups and venture capital is not the only way you build a business. The way that Tim frames it is that uh, is actually a little more assertive, right? I mean, I think he just you know, he's basically saying, well, and he said it here and in other situations that not only are there good companies that don't need to raise for blitz scaling, but that actually maybe it's a uh, him and his fund called NDVC. Their tone is generally that maybe venture capital is somehow bad or evil or is teaching people wrong lessons, and and that's where I mean I would just take issue with that. Um, I think what NDVC and his team, Bryce and, and, and Mark, are doing uh, is great. And I think it's great because there actually aren't that many uh, avenues for companies that don't need to raise huge amounts of money, are going to be cash flow businesses that may grow large over time. He uses um, you know folks like Craigslist uh, or MailChimp as examples, and I think those are good examples. Um, I just think it's important to know as a founder that what path you're on. And not kid yourself about what path you're on. You know, if if uh, to use Reed's example, like if Airbnb had decided to try and take the path that Tim O'Reilly thinks is the right path, they would have been destroyed in the market. Um, you know, you had folks like Rocket Internet and HomeAway who were aggressive folks raising a lot of money to compete with them, and and scale really mattered in that business. That was the wrong strategic plan um, for that particular business. And the reverse is also true. Like, I don't know what Craigslist would have been, you know, or how it would have grown differently if it had raised $300 million and, and thrown a bunch of secondary out the first year, the founders, something like that. But it would have been a very different business, right? Well, you could argue, 
it's so speculative, but you could argue that if Craigslist raised a lot of money, they, they could have been Airbnb. Right. That's a, that's a good, that's a um, good fact. But I, I, look, I think what, what Tim is doing is, I think the reason why they're being pretty provocative in the anti-blitz scaling venture capital model is there's so much gravity around, this is how you start a company. You know, first you apply to, you know, YC. Second, you know, you raise a lot of money. You know, third, like. Yeah. No, you first know. you go to Stanford, then you apply to YC. <laughs> right. and so then, I, I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, Tim and Bryce are with NDVC are being, you know, they, they're provocative in their tone, but I think it's because they, they are um, outliers in, in how companies, tech companies, pardon me, tech companies get financed and, um, and, and so I think that's why there's that kind of tone to it because the vast majority of people that we know that are entrepreneurs or VCs kind of are looking for uh, the other thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and looking for the other thing, I, I, I mean, the part I would agree with is looking for the other thing, that kind of like that path um, because it's automatic, because it's what's been taught to them. It's because what they now, it's what they now see when they watch Silicon Valley on HBO and it's permeated the culture in a way that it, it really wasn't 10 or 15 years ago when maybe you would have looked for an SBI loan instead. Right, right. And, uh, and, and to that extent, I do think it's, it, we have to be careful and have good conversations with founders about, about the fact that there are many paths available and that sometimes raising increasingly large amounts of capital is, is not the right path, even for a business that's raised a seed fund and has already started on the track. Um, yeah. yeah, one of my favorite um, articles got passed around um, on Twitter recently. It was the, it was the uh, the title of the thing was very misleading, but it was like a defense of Silicon Valley. Not that Silicon Valley needs a defense, but defensive post. But it was kind of like you know people kind of like talk. It was it was during the whole Juicero, um, you know. The article you're talking about is Silicon Valley at a reality check. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we're just laughing because we we're doing a little edit because we we had to go find it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a really, really good article. And it is what I, you know, it's the truth of what I see, right? The truth of what I see is for every juicero um, company, which, by the way, like making a better juicer, I guess I'm on the entire other end of the spectrum, which is there is the Silicon Valley reality check article is trying to talk about how people are trying to cure cancer and how um, people are trying to solve poverty problems and like the, all of the really meaningful, amazing things that are getting started in Silicon Valley. And so, hey, don't don't get wrapped up so much in, um, you know, the one weird consumer product that you might not agree with that all the press likes to talk about because they raised a bunch of money because they're trying to cast it in a certain light. I, I actually I, I'm, I think that's probably the right tone or of an article to make to try and talk about Silicon Valley in its fullness and startups in its fullness. I'm actually on the other entire other side of the spectrum, which is that, um, look, I don't have a problem with somebody making a gaming startup. Like I don't have a problem with somebody making something that actually is flippant. Like it, what I, if a founder cares deeply about a thing, um, you know, making a game and making somebody smile and bringing a little bit of joy into the world, that's valuable too. It doesn't always have to cure cancer. That's not all of life. I, I'm getting a little existential here, but life is a many differentiated thing. And if a founder really cares about it, like I, I, I don't, you know, I'm glad they're spending their time and energy on it. The only thing that I think I don't like or, you know, disencourage and, and that I, you know, when Silicon Valley gets into the, 
I'm starting this business because this market is hot and I know I can get funding and then I can flip this company. That kind of cynicism is what I react to. But I don't, I have never met the founder of Juicero. I don't know how much he deeply cares about this, although his background for 20 years in a juice company makes me think that this person actually cares very deeply about this problem. And so like, if that person cares about this thing, like, who am I to judge? I don't have to invest in them, but, but I don't think it's, I don't think the cynicism is helpful. No, I, I think I think that's really well said. I, I think um, I think there's a tendency to you know, and again, I think it's just trying to kind of serve as a balance function that like when you see some you know kind of you know drama or scandal or intrigue about Jusero or something like I think it's very easy to dogpile and just start you know painting with the broadest brush ever and like wow you know it's peak you know but it's it's it's. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you would agree it's disrespectful, frankly, to all the, um, you know, people that are trying to create the impossible. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just, I just have a very personal view of this, which is like, you know, everybody has a right to their own version of impossible and, 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 uh, they're on their own path. I can get on the path or not. Um, and ultimately if it doesn't work as a business and people don't care about it, if they won't buy it and they won't get investment. Um, that's the nature of this experiment is that people get to try a whole bunch of different things, some of which are going to be very dumb ideas. Uh, and, and some of the ones that you think are dumb early turn out to be really substantial later. Some of the things that start out, you know, being about communicating about what you're eating for lunch or whether you're on the toilet turn into massive uh, social communication companies. So you don't, you just don't know. So anyway. Well said. Um, by the way, speaking of social media for a second, I, I'm just going to throw this in here because I'm curious. What do you think about? I mean, it's maybe a very open question, Leon, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, given that you were, you know, relatively early investor in Twitter and Tumblr and and have been a part of this ecosystem for such for such a long time, what do you think about the state of social media? And what I mean is like, you know, some people are getting very nervous about how much power that is supposedly consolidated around Facebook and, and, and Twitter. And like there's just these few outlets for, for media, it seems like at this point. And how, how do you reflect on that? What do you think about that? Well, one, one thing I've heard a lot as of like the last, you know, seemingly few months is, is you know, Instagram and Facebook's, you know, um, intense desire to clone big parts of Snapchat and, and seeing, you know, those features grow very fast on Facebook and Instagram, there's, there's a natural, I think, response to say, hey, see, this all this market power means that uh, startups can't really innovate against the, the establishment because the establishment will just, just cherry pick and copy the best features. And right. I, I kind of disagree. I mean, I, I, look, I think ultimately if Instagram and Facebook clone the best features out of Snapchat and Snapchat, you know, loses or goes away or becomes, uh, uh, doesn't achieve their, their vision. I don't think it's because of this, um, this cloning effort. It, it just means that, you know, Snapchat was, uh, had difficulty executing. I mean, I, I, I'm still bullish on Snapchat and, you know, we should probably say for the record, we have, we're shareholders, in the company, but, but I, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, um, at the end of the day, um, if it turns out that, you know, you could, you could just clone a few features out of, out of one product into yours and it, and it destroys the other one, then, then they didn't really build anything that. Um, it wasn't durable in the first place. That's right. I mean, we've just seen too many examples where 
Google tried to copy people and right. like, it's just, um, I, I don't think, um, that's uh, a recipe that, that works. And look, I, I think we're a little biased also because if we believed always that the established players would always win, like, why would we do what we're doing? Right. Yeah. I mean, our, our, I think like my general worldview is, is if, if Google's doing it, that's still just an easy opportunity for a startup anyway, because I assume that they won't be able to execute themselves yeah. in the like, market. Like when you let our investment in cruise for autonomous vehicle technologies, like there were plenty of people, big companies, uh, you know, is on their either the drawing board or they deployed lots of well, Google, people like literally, like Google. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I, uh, I think this idea that, you know, a few companies are going to consolidate all the uh, value is, isn't really happening. Yeah. I, the other way I always view copying is, um, there are things that are very hard and there are things that are very easy to copy. If, if somebody has an insight in the market that is easily copyable, then like that's the rise for me, that's the rising tide that lifts all boats, right? Like if somebody has an insight, like what would it be like if every social media company after Facebook could never use or didn't ever use a feed because they were so stubborn that they were like, well, Facebook came up with the feed, so I'm going to come up with my own thing and I'm going to do it all in, I don't know, chronological order starting from the beginning or by author. Like, you know, if, if somebody comes up with something that's actually valuable, great, let's adopt those things, continue to innovate, make the market better. Um, and then, and then, you know, you, you now have new table stakes. The, 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 the apps or products or hardware companies that come out now are always standing on the shoulder of, of giants, right? Right. Well, interestingly um, enough, Snap, Snap got huge without doing a feed. I mean, like, I feel like all these social apps were just copying uh, the Twitter, Facebook playbook around, you know, the feed and followers and, you know, friending. And, and, uh, and Snap said, uh, hey, we're, we're, doing, we're going our own way. So, so segueing from fair, fair levels of competition to unfair levels of competition, um, there's a vote on net neutrality today, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I just saw this like just blow up on, on Twitter today and that, you know, basically Trump's FCC, um, you know, it's all over tech meme as well. Like they, they yeah. just, you know, began the voting on uh, scrapping net neutrality rules. And, um, you know, basically they, they voted today totally across party lines to uh, to roll back uh, the foundation for for an open uh, internet that doesn't discriminate, where ISPs can't discriminate. I mean, it's 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 pretty bad. Uh, our colleague Jeremy, you and him had a little slack back and forth on this, and just for the sake of uh, of talking about the other side, because I tend to be, I tend to agree with you, which makes for boring conversation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on this on this topic. Should we talk about Jeremy's view? Yeah, I mean, we should probably have him on too, because he does his side better than than I think I could. But you know, his view is like. Is this all not that meaningful anyway? Anyway, in the grand scheme of things, where dominant you know networks will be mobile for use case, and mobile carriers have had net neutrality type restrictions in place forever in terms of like they, the carriers could could throttle your service without problems. They could provide caps. They could do zero rating, and you know, in light of all that stuff that mobile guys could do, um, we still had tons of innovation. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, so can you really jump up and down and say, I, I, I mean, I, I hope I'm not butchering his, his point of view, but he, he, you know, he also wrote this op-ed in the New York Times. So, you know, and, and 
you know, I don't know if people know this. We don't, we don't uh, censor each other's work or control. Like if, if you write a blog post, I never read it beforehand unless you ask me to, but that's not typical. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I hope I'm not, I'm not butchering his point of view, but I, I think he kind of feels like, Hey, you know, um, you know, while Comcast has shown a history for abusing their pipes, a control of their pipes, you know, does it really, are, are we jumping up and down a little bit too much here? Yeah. Is, I think his other point is also that the, the, History, there's very little history of anti-competitive behavior between these four carriers because they're not very good at actually collaborating with each other. Right. Like they just, they're not exactly the most cooperative group of, of folks historically. And so, um, and that it's an, incre- you know, like the streaming business in general is an incredibly expensive business. So, um, you know, is, is there really room for two or three more Spotify's and five or six more Netflix given the amount of competition that's happening in the market? Uh, and the amount of content that you have to pay for to get into the market in the first place. These are these are not at this point. These are not really startup games, right? These are billion-dollar company media games. And do we really care that much about five or six or seven, you know, twenty billion-dollar to a hundred billion-dollar companies, you know, punching themselves in the face? Right. Um, you know, and which which I I can understand. Um, but that that's where I go back to before, which is that like you know this notion of incumbents versus uh, you know the 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 startup like. You know, the reason why I get pretty, you know, energetic slash irritated on this topic is that, you know, Comcast and Verizon have a consistent history over many years of doing the wrong thing when they can. And, right. um, and so that's, that's the, that's the rub. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have history, history of good actors. And so we should, we should not treat them as suddenly that they became benevolent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's weird is that this FCC, um, new chairman he follows me on twitter um which i'm amazed at because i i only tweet negative things about the fc the current fc so <laughs> i don't know if he's got the best mute action going or or what but uh it's uh I'd, I'd love to talk to him maybe i could talk some sense into him or perhaps he's the rare person who doesn't want to live in his echo chamber and is trying to hear uh alternative voices oh my god speaking of echo chamber have you ever gone to see the 40 something people our president follows on twitter uh, uh, I haven't, but you have mentioned it before, oh and so I have, avo- I have avoided doing so <laughs> right, for my well, own sanity. Well, you're you're <laughs> a wise person because it is crazy, Dad. Yeah, I assume it's Alex Jones and uh, you know from Infowars and and Drudge and and Fox and you're, it's essentially it is the it's the def- definition of echo chamber. So. You are not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's on. Yeah. We can control our own media today. That's really highly beneficial for everybody, I'm sure. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's segue. Let's let's talk like, before we go into half an hour on Trump land for, yeah. for me and you. Let's uh, let's pull back up. Good. Let's talk about let's talk about Google I/O. Right. So, how much of this have you actually consumed live versus you know read an Engadget post about versus just looking at tech meme headlines? So first, like, how interesting is Google I/O to you at all? I, I find it very interesting. You know, last year, you know, we actually had a podcast the same week as IO 2016. Yeah. And, and if memory serves, I was kind of like on a mini rant because I thought Google was announcing a whole bunch of vapor. No, we talked, we had the conversation about copying. Right. Like you're, you're, we had exactly this conversation about copying because you felt like Google didn't have a I- innovative bone in its body. Right. Um, they were just like, oh, look, I'm announcing things that somebody else made right. three months. Right. I felt like it was like the uh, Echo clone, the, you know, the FaceTime clone, the, you know, it just felt, uh, it just felt, you know, uninspiring to me. But I, I think, 
if I look back and try to be intellectually honest, I feel like I was too harsh in some ways. I think they're doing much bigger ideas than I gave them credit for. And I think this year, um, it actually feels even more impressive, frankly, with the ambient computing stuff. But I actually went back and I looked at like what they announced last year. And, oh, yeah. and I compared it to this year. And I do feel like this year was a meaningful level up in terms of like their ambition. Because like last year, they launched a whole bunch of stuff or announced. They announced a whole bunch of stuff around, around where, like their watch uh, clone stuff. And, you know, funny enough, like where hasn't really gotten a lot of attention since last year. There was nothing in this year's IO about where. Yep. Um, that is, uh, and if I'm missing it, then I apologize, but I, I look pretty hard. I didn't watch it in real time, but so, so it's kind of funny. So year to year, no, no, uh, connected tissue on, on where last year, there was a whole bunch of stuff around their idea around instant apps. So this is the notion that you'd see a Buzzfeed link in, in your feed, you click on it. If you didn't have the Buzzfeed app, you'd get basically the guts of a, of an, of a, of an app to, to get that experience. You know, I didn't see anything about instant apps this year. Um, and then the other two big things that were huge last year was the um, the FaceTime and iMessage competitors, uh, Allo and Duo. And right. uh, I'm not what a user that? of those products. So I don't know how well they've been updating those products, but nothing about those, uh, um, as far as I can tell, this year. Um, right. So that's all on the negative side of the of the ledger. On the good side, they they promised they were going to ship their Google Home, uh, you know, um, product, and they did. Right. And right. Um, I have one here in my office. It's, since uh, last year, uh, some, someone nice at Google sent me one, and uh, and it works pretty great. That, so anyway, that was my, my report card on last year was, I call it a, you know, if I put my rant aside, I call it like a solid C+. Yeah. But this yeah. year, I, I found like this year was more impressive. What Because what, what, I feel like the ambient stuff uh, and uh, like, you know, all the machine learning, AI stuff, like I, I feel like it was much more um, ambitious and much more uh, interesting. Well, I think they're doing this year. One of the things that I think helped is just they and they actually teased it last year, but only about a half of the program re- referenced it. I think Google last year started debuting this idea that they are the AI company, right? Um, and uh, and and that, but that was really a mixed message last year. Uh, and this year, I think they've doubled down on it. So there's a connect. There is talk about connective tissue. There's a there is a theme across almost everything that they're talking about. You know, um, and and from from you know really base level stuff like you know I thought it was really interesting that, that they're moving away from GPUs for um, for AI and machine learning and they announced their new uh, Tensor processor these these kind of which is basically a custom ASIC um, that is built you know exactly for for machine learning and AI um, but that's that's you know all the way from there all the way up to what is, I think, probably the best consumer application that they have launched since Gmail, which is Google Photos, right. and and using, at the consumer application level, using that AI to build a better experience for consumers. And and so, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why it works. I don't know if it actually feels like that inside of Google, or whether the marketing just did a better job highlighting the right things. Well, no, I actually feel like product caught up to marketing this year. Like, I, in a way, I feel like that whole thing that Sindar was talking about last year, like we're the AI company, it was a bit a year or two premature. Like I, I don't think they had the goods to to back up the hype. But I think this year, you're right. I feel like Google Photos is like the best example of Google's, you know, AI machine learning productized. Yeah. Um, do you, so you use you use Google Photos on your phone? I, I do use Google Photos, um, and I'm, I, but I'm not, I'm still in a 
very weird world. I'm not a typical Google, Google Photos user because I'm, I'm like this Luddite that still shoots mostly film and film in Google Photos doesn't play nice because there's no EXIF data. <laughs> um, right. But um, I use it for all my mobile photos and uh, which I shoot a lot of mobile photos and yeah. And, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's super fast and smart and, and delightful. I mean, those little surprises are fantastic. Yeah, I, um, I went whole hog on Google Photos, uh, brought in all of my raw photos. Uh, every, everything's in there at this point um, and, and been very happy with it. It is, it, is, it is the only Google app on my homepage, I should say. Uh, yeah, can we talk about that? Because I, I, you know, several podcasts ago, you, you dropped a bomb on me and our partner Kevin and said that you use Apple Maps. So is that is that still true? Today is May. What the hell is today? Today is May eighteenth. <laughs> are you are you still an Apple Maps user? I am still an Apple Maps user. Uh, that is what is sitting on the first row of my front page of my iPhone, and I will tell anybody in the world about that. Just better design, easier to read. I find the directions on par with Google Maps. They're not on par with Waze. So I, I was under the impression that all the Waze traffic data and routing and smarts is all in Google Maps now. The only thing that's in Waze was like if you want to do all that like two-way action, like to uh, flag a cop or yeah, you know, all that yeah. Stuff. So so the, the 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 underlying data is now completely shared. So, you know, the route, the, the minute, the, sorry, foot by foot uh, data on traffic is shared between Google Maps and Waze, but they have different algorithms that they run. You know, there's just a lot of different ways you can move the sliders on how much do you want to wait highway driving versus going around? How much do you really care about not taking your normal route in order to save one minute? That kind of stuff. So Waze will still give you very different directions than Google Maps, even with the underlying same directions, just a different decision engine. And Waze is the, I, you know, Waze I always think of as the I want to keep moving engine. Uh, like I just, you know, the I hate being stuck in traffic, find me a way around it engine. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that's that's the way I like to drive. So I, I don't, I hate being stuck in traffic. So that, so I still use it, but I, I use Apple Maps. I really never oh, use Google Maps. I, go, I use one or the other. That's amazing. All right, so you said you use one Google app. So, so what I'm hearing you say, you don't have Chrome on your first page. I don't have Chrome. I used Google Inbox up until recently. So I, I'm a, I am a Google Inbox devotee. I really like it. And, and but I am I've been using Astro, uh, the new email client, which is really quite good. Other than some some of their typography choices, and I, I'm not. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's a nitpick. It's a small nitpick. And, and why did you why did you decide to uh, make the move to Astro? What was it about Astro that got you excited? Um, it, there's simple things. So so the, the idea behind Astro is that there's this little chat bot, uh, conversational messenger bot that you can talk to to do to give you suggestions. Things like, uh, oh, do you want to unsubscribe from this newsletter that I noticed that you don't open up anymore, or um, should I add? you know, your partner that seems to have joined recently to a VIP list of people because you seem to email him or her back all the time, right? right. Um, so um, I actually like those suggestions. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit of the assistant inside of Google Photos, uh, where it's like slightly orthogonal way to um, to kind of suggest things that are, that are not in the normal feed. I, 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 one, I really like that. But the reason I use it is it has all of the things, all of the features that you typically try to install plugins to Gmail to use. So things like, I wanna send this later, I wanna unsubscribe from this newsletter, I wanna read receipt, like all the little things that when you're doing a lot of email, 
it, it's really helpful when email is a primary messaging client for you. The other thing that it does that Google Inbox still doesn't do, which drives me crazy, is you know our business is a lot of introducing people to other people, which means that uh, a lot of times you've got the I am grabbing the person from the two line and I'm moving them to the BCC line so that we can now set up a, a coffee between two people that need to meet each other for whatever reason. And that is, I know you're smiling because you do this, I don't know how uh, yeah. to day. Right. I just I don't know how many times a day it's part of it's part of the job and and Google Inbox doesn't do that right you cannot just grab the two and move it to BCC and Astro has that has that feature it's the worst yeah 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 well the logo for Astro is uh, the um, the icon iOS icon is dreamy that's a new icon that's uh, that's about a week old and yeah. it's quite nice it's quite that's nice. so good what else do you use Chrome as your primary browser. I don't use Chrome. I'm, I'm, I'm a Safari. So, but I have more Google apps on my main screen than ever before. I mean, so first off, I, I, keep, I leave the bottom two rows empty on my iPhone 7 Plus just because mm -hmm. I just feel like less is more kind of thing. And it helps me choose like what's the most important stuff. And right now with two empty rows, I have uh, Inbox by Google, um, Google Maps because I'm not a, uh, a lunatic. And, um, <laughs> and I have Assistant. Google's uh, um, latest um, iOS app that they that yeah. they recently launched, and Assistant is damn good. I mean, I am so. Um, what do you use it for? I never. I have. I don't use it. It's, so number one, it's it's a better Siri. I mean, I feel bad saying that because like I, I use Siri a lot, but um, so it doesn't obviously work with HomeKit or any of that home automation stuff if you're in the Apple ecosystem. Um, right. But if but all of the like and, and you know it's not integrated to iOS automatically, so you have to open up the app, which is yep. you could say like, oh man, you can straight to. Sounds barbaric. Once you open the app, you know just by saying hey, you know who, um, you know you just talk to it as if it's Google Home, and uh, and you know it it just presents things beautifully, has all those cards. It's contextual, so like if I said, you know, show me all the nearest coffee shops, it shows them a nice little thumbnail things and cards, and then it gives you easy to tap things for supplemental info if you want um, uh, directions there with Google Maps <laughs> uh, or whatever. So like everything is really, I just think it's 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 probably my most favorite design Google app outside of Photos. Like I just feel like it just it makes sense to me. You know, Google's had this iOS app for a long time. It's just called, it's their Google app, which is, have you ever seen it? It's like kind of Google Now plus no, Chrome use, plus, yep. Sir, yeah. Yep. And and I feel like I, I kind of always had that, but never really used it. I always right. kind of wanted to use it, but never did. But Assistant, I feel like, look, it just ships. So I, I, I may take all this back after using it, but I, it's been really stable, way more accurate than Siri um, for all the times you just want to talk to the thing. Now, but it doesn't, it's not integrated to iOS. So you can't do the, all the, um, you can't say, hey, you know, you're, you know, hey. You're trying to make sure you don't say the name to trigger somebody's that's phone. Right. That's very polite of you, but yeah. 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 So, um, and, 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 uh, so you have to tap the icon and you can't say like, uh, text Lauren on, uh, on my way home. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't do yeah. that. Um, yeah. So there are things that are still a little bit like, you know, uh, hard when you're living in an Apple world, but, but the other stuff is just, it just feels uh, bulletproof. feels great. Is Google, is Google going to win? Oh, one last thing before I answer that important question. I can tell um, Google the, uh, in the assistant app, um, uh, 
I can add an appointment to it and it'll put it, if, assuming you have Google Calendar on your phone. So I don't use Google Calendar, it's fantastical, but I have the app anyway. So right. it, it knows how to like populate that app. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so I, it's yep. like a little hack around the fact that I use fantastical day, day in, day out. Yep. Is Google so, going to win? I mean, the reason I'm saying that right now is because that arc that you're talking about is like, we know that Apple has weaknesses and the major weaknesses are um, they absolutely suck at social um, and they really haven't done a very good job at cloud. Uh, and then layering on to cloud is also increasingly machine learning and AI. So this is really talking about really, those are the three major pillars about, I would imagine in a year or two, why I would buy a hardware device or a phone um, outside of pretty hardware. Well, and, the, fun, um, the funny thing is if Google actually one day, not I don't imagine they'd do this for all sorts of reasons, but if they dropped iOS support, you know, right. imagine, what would happen? Yeah, well, what happened? Like, what if there was no, you know? Well, I'm, I'm going the other direction, which is that even if they want to support iOS completely because of Apple's draconian view on APIs and, and hooks into the, in the, into the OS, like, they can never produce a, a, a perfect version of Google products on Apple phones. Like, for instance, uh, you know, you mentioned one, which is they're not, you know, Apple's not about to allow you, allow you to remap the home button so that when you press it, for a long period of time, it, it goes to Google instead of going to Siri. That's not gonna happen. Right. Um, when I delete a photo in Google Photos, every time it has to bring up a confirmation, uh, you know, is it okay to modify this photo or delete this photo that's forced by Apple, right? I can't actually give it full rights. Right. Um, there's a bunch of these examples where, uh, where Apple has drawn a very small, actually a fairly small box for app providers to, to, to Iterating, which just makes the Google experience on an Android phone just better and better over time, right? Yeah, well, look, I mean, but you won't have your beloved Apple Maps if you switch to Android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that I guess, right, but let, me, let me get serious for a second. So your question of, like, will Google win? So market share, they've already won, if that's the metric. Um, and iPhone sales are slowing, so that's another, you know, negative uh, 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 metric. But I, I kind of look at it differently, which is as a user, which is like, because I think iPhone sales doesn't reflect necessarily innovation because I, I feel like the big bumps in iPhone sales are just about getting new carrier signups. It wasn't because of anything else. I feel like the big bumps have always been about new carrier sales. And right now, there's not a lot of new carrier sales to do. I mean, they got Mobile China. It was this massive bump. And, and, and so... Um, I think the question is, is, does it provide the smoothest experience for the things that you care about most? And right now, I think the thing that people care about most are the camera and apps, you know, and yep. um, like Astro, I don't even know if they have an Android version, but, you know, iOS is first, Snapchat one, iOS first. Like people, I think creatives are drawn to iOS and, and you know, the very first version of these apps still feel like they're coming out for iOS first, but do you, do you feel otherwise? Like when was the last time somebody said, hey, Nabil, I want you to see my new app. It's Android only for the next for the first year. I don't think that you see Android only yet or very rarely only if it's strategic. Like, oh, for some reason I've decided. There was a whole you know year or so where, where there were gaming companies that were trying to find a way to not get bloodied and beaten on the iOS charts. And so we're trying to say maybe maybe we'd have a, um, advantage on Android, which turned out to be largely not true. But um, 
but but I when I go to Astro, so Astro is a brand new company with a really tiny team, and uh, and when I go to their website right now, I note that they do have an Android version. Oh, that's and an and an iOS version and a Mac OS version. Um, Amazing. So they had they decided cross platform early. I'm not I, you know that's probably not ubiquitous, but it's a you know that's on. I think they've raised. You know, eight million bucks. So moderate size Series A. That's not. You know, they're not a hundred percent company, right? Right, right. No, that's that's super impressive, actually. I, I, I would have if you made me guess, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it's time for us to 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 jump back in and give uh, Google uh, uh, Android a try again, which we've done. We do periodically. I do it periodic. Almost every year, I fall in love with some Android phone, and I'm like, right. this is the one. I'm going. I'm going over, and then and then two weeks later, I, I, I come back. But maybe it's maybe it's time again. Well, across the street from my office is a T-Mobile store, and I went by two weeks ago to look at the new Samsung S8, and it's gorgeous hardware. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, that edge edge design is. I want that. Um, the, it still has a little chin on the bottom, and it, or I guess chin and bottom is <laughs> is the same thing. But um, but it's but I'll tell you, they did some weird stuff though. They have like that gross like software of their own and then they put the fingerprint sensor next to the lens so it's just so weird i mean it's just really really weird um but and and i don't think the pixel you know our our colleague andrew's got the pixel and i i feel like it's it's dated it's just it just feels so long in the tooth already um but uh somebody should come out with a great android phone somebody should come out with a great android phone <laughs> uh, I agree. Um, uh, lastly, by the way, I just want to talk about VR for a sec for Google I/O. We can we yes. can end here. Um, if anybody hasn't read it and cares at all about VR, which I don't know if anybody who listens to this does, but but um, but uh, but Clay Bavor, who's head of um, VR and AR at Google, wrote a really good Medium post. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, just before Google I.O., so he just wrote it maybe yesterday or whatever, called um, Virtual and Augmented Realities, um, asking the right questions and traveling the path ahead. And it's a really great overview piece, um, you know, maybe a 10-minute read uh, about not just how VR is headed, but also how Google thinks and how he thinks about this this, this space. Um, and anyway, I, I highly recommend it. They announced a standalone headset. Um, that is being produced by HTC and, and Lenovo that use Daydream. I think the most material thing that felt very different is, uh, you know, a year ago we had this really big window uh, or, or gap between mobile VR, which was like Samsung gear um, with Oculus where you, you know, stick a headset into a, a big thing and you put it on your head. Um, which didn't have positional tracking. So if you move your head the wrong way, you lose tracking. It didn't have hand tracking. You're using like a hand controller. Um, and it's relatively low polygon count. And then, you know, what I would call like, you know, full VR, which is the kind of HEC Vive and Oculus Rift where you can walk around in a room, you can use hand controllers and, and move around. And what seems to be the case is I think those lines, when we look forward two years, will be very blurry. Uh, you know, the, the most important announcements, one was the headline and one was in the small text that, that I think some folks might have missed. But the headline is that these HTC and Lenovo headsets have six degrees of freedom inside out tracking. So without having a bunch of sensors in the room looking at you, they look out into the outside room. Uh, there's cameras on them that then know where your head is positioned so that as you move around free space in VR, uh, you can take this anywhere, put it on your head, and immediately be able to kind of 
be immersed. And they announced later on, they didn't show them, but they announced later on that they will have hand controllers as well. And I don't know if you've used, have you used the touch controllers much recently? Like, I, I have found that the touch controllers, actually having your body in the world and moving around is, I don't know, 40% totally. of the experience. Like, totally. it's it's just as, as important as as the, you know, having a field of view that's high that you can look around. That's what I found anyway. I agree. I agree. I, I feel like uh, having those hand controllers is, is a huge, huge uh, difference in, in experience. Although, I, I find they... It's still so early days that I, I don't know if that form factor, what those controllers will look like, will be the ones. But I, I think that you know having that involvement is 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 huge. Um, did, did Google announce a date? I was trying to find a date for the HTC stuff. I couldn't find one. Did, did I miss it? I did not see one either. Um, but they they're not afraid to just. I mean, as we saw from Google last year, there this was part of your critique last year, right. and and I think it played out this year too. The coming soon's are generally coming soon's. Okay. You know, they they uh, they don't they they keep away from disappointment by not setting expectations. I'm going to assume Google, coming soon to Google means this year. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. so. We're going to judge them on that. So it's 2017. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and Microsoft also announced a VR headset, uh, whatever it was, a month ago. Um, all of the players will now have a VR headset. Um, it'll, I think the next couple of years are going to be very, very interesting for this ecosystem. Um, none of those, by the way, incidentally, none of those, none of the ones that I've tried, the six degrees of freedom inside out tracking headsets, are actually really, it's another level setting, expectation setting. None of them have the latency to really feel truly immersive. Um, the, how quickly they read the room and then feed that back to you. There's a little bit of jitter and, and it's not perfect. So it's just another reminder, like where the trend is, is feels very clear and very optimistic. But, but you know, we have a whole first batch of game developers and app makers and social uh, product people that that produced pr content over the last two years for VR with an expectation about. Um, you know, you not having six degrees of freedom and not having hand controllers because they're aimed at mobile because they're trying to reach the largest market. And it's just a reminder that you're not, like if you're producing a VR company or thinking about this market, it's just you're not standing on solid ground. Like, like we're all, it's all still very, very early. You know, uh, the folks at Oculus, Palmer Lucky specifically, called Apple out for not having a real computer that could run, you know, power the rift. And, yep. uh, and then there have been a lot of, you know, interesting stories coming out of Apple on like that they really whiffed when it came to the high-end desktop computer. And and so I, I don't think we're going to see anything from Apple in VR uh, tied to Mac OS for a long time, maybe, you know, maybe even longer. Uh, <laughs> but do you think iPhone 8 is going to have VR capabilities? Like, do you feel like uh, if you were to predict for WWDC this year, is, is VR going to make uh, a, its presence known at, uh, for the iOS dev community? I don't have any inside knowledge here. The the only conversations I've had with Apple over the last year are not about obviously what they're launching this year, but more about worldview. You know, how do they think about VR? What do they think is important about VR and AR? And and they use a phrase. Um, they used a, they have continued to use a phrase a lot when they think about this. They call it the magic window, uh, which is like it's that it's that view into another reality. Uh, that that magic window into the reality, and and in that context, I think it's important. I, at least it feels like historically Apple's view on this has been that AR and VR is interesting, but it is interesting almost in the way of like it's it's you holding up your phone to your face, 
and looking in on something else. So the idea of buying a separate yeah. kit is, is buying, not yeah, there. Producing jam. a standalone VR headset that you put on your head that just it doesn't seem like it maps to their worldview. Now, you know, they were also poo-pooing um, tablets for a long time right. and were poo-pooing the use of any stylus for a long time, famously Steve Jobs. And, I, you know, I have an Apple pen for my iPad sitting within a foot of me right here. So, like, they're, they're certainly capable of seeing a market reality and opportunity and, and changing their mind. But, um, but at least historically, I, it, it doesn't, hasn't quite fit with they, what, how they think about the world. So you're right. I said everybody has a VR headset. And I, I, I left out Apple because I just don't think they care right now. Yeah. I guess your dream is, is an Apple VR headset that supports maps in the VR. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think – well, no, I'll be very um, – trolling aside, I think I – think, uh, I think Apple's future is in VR much more than Microsoft or Google's is if they change their mind. And and let me take two seconds to pitch on this Great. because I, the problem that Apple is running to inning to in the phone. The reason I made that comment earlier about is Apple going to win in the long term? And I love my iPhone. I have a very hard time using Android phones for any length of time, but I still think that Google and Android might win in the long term at some point. But um, I think the the issue is that the software layer is separating more and more from the hardware layer. That the benefits that you get from end-to-end -end integration are lessening um, for them because they're not innovating in the spaces of AI, cloud, and social that you would need to really take advantage of a software to hardware integration, which is where they, that's where they play the best, is when those levels of integration are, are high. Um, and they're really, really good. Most, most companies, you know, Android obviously, because it's two different companies, have software and hardware so separated, right? In, Android, in Android's case, it's an entirely different company. Um, and so that's where VR is today. VR today is in a world where what the software is supposed to be doing and what the hardware is supposed to be doing is still very nascent. It's very uncertain. The ecosystem is pretty uncertain. You need a company that is thinking holistically from the consumer end experience all the way down to the chip level. And there is nobody in the world that does that better than Apple. Um, and so, um, look, we're, you know, I'm a big, you know, obviously we were, we were investors in Oculus and, uh, and still very good friends with those people. I still think they're producing the best consumer experience um, headset out there in the market today. They're the one that when I walk upstairs into our VR room here at the office, I have HTC and I have, we have all of them here and they're the one that I reach for automatically, um, not just because they're, they're Oculus, but because they're the easiest to use. Um, but I do think that if that, just if you look at what Apple is good at, it would be strategically valuable for them to go out. It'd be playing exactly to their strengths. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And right now they have a big lead with, with, uh, their chips and GPUs for mobile. I mean, like, I feel like that's yeah. still a massive, massive improvement, but it's, it's unclear whether they want to go after it or not. Um, yeah. It'd be fun to see them in the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's, let's leave it here for today. I think we're, we're, we're uh, pushing uh, almost an hour. Um, yeah. So I think folks have to get off their treadmill or uh, end, their, <laughs> end their commute and get to the rest of their day. Uh, but as always, everybody, uh, drop us a line if you have any comments or suggestions. And uh, if not, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.